0: I'm excited to be here today. We're in a series called Got Fruit? Let me help you out, brother. And uh, Growing in Christ. Now, the cool thing about this series is it's is our summer series. It's about eight weeks long. Obviously, we kicked it off last week. And, you know, what's so special about this summer series, God has put together a pastoral team of eight guys, eight teaching pastors. And how many you know that's incredible? I mean, it really is uh, to, to be able to be on a, a team of eight different communicators at a, at a local church is just, I'm, I'm telling you, it's unheard of. And so we, we really do have something special going on. So I'm just one of the eight, and uh, hopefully I can just get a man on base. You know, when I first started preaching years ago, my pastor, Pastor Van, he told me, he said, look, guys, if you can just get a man on base, it's all right. You know, you, you might hit a double, Every now and then, you might hit a triple. You might have to bunt from time to time. Hopefully, I'm not bunting today, but you never know. And, but if you can get a man on base, you're doing good. So my goal is to get a man on base today, and, uh, but we are in a series, Got Fruit, Growing in Christ, and it, the base is out of Galatians chapter five, and it talks about the fruit of the Spirit, but it also talks about the flesh and how the flesh wars against the spirit. There's like a tug-of-war going on. And how many of you know that that will never end? So I've got some good news for you today. That's never gonna end, unfortunately. That stinking flesh, those desires of the flesh, never end. And sometimes, just when you think You've got something conquered or got something defeated. You realize there's still work left to do in your life. And I don't think that spiritual warfare, if you would, will never end. And for those of you who have some gray hair, you can say amen. You know what I mean? Just wave at me. You know what I'm talking about. I don't have any gray hair yet, unfortunately, but I'm looking forward to it. Now, if I grow out my beard, I do have some gray whiskers. I'm only 45 but I got some gray whiskers coming out. Now, I don't have a beard because my wife don't like facial hair, but (laughs) is that too much information? She's like, yeah. So I'm just a normal guy, by the way, you know what I mean? I'm not trying to give a polished speech. So uh, Galatians, let's read it in chapter five, verse six. It says there, verse 16. It says, but I say, walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit, and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other, and to keep you from doing the things you want to do. You know, Paul the Apostle was writing uh, this epistle, and uh, in a portion of Scripture, Paul said, you know, I hate that I keep doing what I don't want to do, but I ended up doing it anyway. How many of you have ever done that? Don't wait, raise your hand, because we all have. We've all, we've, we've, all, we've all sinned, and we will continue to sin. Now, we don't sin that grace will abound, but grace abounds in our sin, are missing the mark, are not doing so great. You know what I'm talking about. A lot of times before, look, I'm just a normal person, just like you, and look, God adjusts my heart many, many times, In a corporate gathering like this, man, when we get together and we start worshiping, God all of a sudden starts turning the dial in my heart. That's the special thing about coming together in worship as a community of believers. It's spiritual. The greatest things that God has ever spoken to me over the last 23 years of me following Jesus has been in a worship service like this. And, and, and God adjusts those things, he adjusts those attitudes, he, he, he brings awareness to you where, where, where your battles are coming from, you know what I'm talking about? And we need that because the desires of the flesh, those sinful impulses, those inclinations that arise from our fallen human nature will continue to be there. And that's why we have to grow in the spirit so that the things of the flesh become weaker and weaker and weaker. I I remember some of the early victories that I got over the flesh when I first gave my life to Christ. And and I I remember, I was like, man, if I can get a few of these victories under my belt, I'm going to get stronger and stronger. And that's true. And, and, and some of the things that haunted you when you first gave your life to Christ, it's like going down the freeway looking in the rearview mirror, man. It gets smaller and smaller and smaller. And it doesn't have the same impact that it had on you in the beginning. But that doesn't necessitate the, 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 the ability and the desire to continue to grow in the Spirit because the, the flesh, man, look, that old thing, it's always going, something, some evil desire is going to lurk within you and entice you. It, it happens, right? It happens to the best of us. And so we're, we want to be fruitful for Jesus, right? We, we, don't, we, don't, we, don't want to, we don't want to operate in the works of the flesh. We, we want to bear fruit for Jesus in season and out of season, right, until we die. You know, whatever that day of death is for us, we want to bear fruit of the kingdom. And so in Galatians chapter 5, it says the fruit of the Spirit Here it is, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, and against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep step with the Spirit. Now, me looking at these uh, fruits, I'm going to be talking about faithfulness today. And, man, I don't know about you, but, man, I, I feel like the Lord's got a lot of work to do in my life. Anybody else like that? It might just be me. I'm not sure. <laughs> but I always say this, man. I'm the, I'm the tree that needs lots of pruning. We've seen those trees, man, always, sometimes when you go in the yard, you, see, you, you have a flower bed, but that certain flower bed, man, weeds keep trying to grow up one after the other, one after the other. I'm kind of like that. Man. I've got to constantly <laughs> pull those weeds out of my life. But we're going to talk about faithfulness today. And, and, and so the first question we have to ask ourselves is where does faithfulness come from? Well, we know it's a fruit of the Spirit. In other words, it's an attribute of God. Faithfulness is an attribute of God. Psalms chapter 36 says this Your steadfast love, O Lord, extends to the heavens, your faithfulness to the clouds. Talking about God's faithfulness. Uh, the Hebrew word here for faithfulness means steadfastness, or, or in other words, trustworthiness, meaning God is steadfast and God is trustworthy. Some of you need to hear that today. He's steadfast, he never changes, and he's trustworthy. It's actually presenting God as faithful, and that his steadfastness is that he's gonna keep his promises and he's gonna maintain his covenant. And that's the hope we have, by the way. That's that's why we can say, death wears your sting, you know what I'm talking about? Because we're going to a place better than this. That's our hope, and we believe God is faithful in keeping those promises. That's why we sing praises to our God. And, and then in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, it says this, God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. And so the Old Testament, a lot of the Old Testament was written in Hebrew, and a lot of the New Testament was written in Greek. And so every now and then I like to look at uh, those words. And so the Greek word for faithful there means reliable. So in other words, God is reliable to accomplish his will. God's reliable to do that. And so the fruit of the Spirit is faithfulness. And so God is the uh, epicenter, he's the model, he is faithfulness. Like, just like the Bible says, God is love, God embodies it. God embodies faithfulness. And as we submit to his Spirit, the, the, the work of the Holy Spirit will produce faith and faithfulness in our life. And so the definition of faithfulness, let's look at it. It's the quality of being faithful Trustworthy and reliable to God—that's what it is. It's the it's the quality of being faithful, trustworthy, and reliable to God. Now, every week we're going to hit a fruit of the Spirit, and there's one that we're not going to hit in a particular message where we zero in on one of those is uh, self-control. Because we believe that self-control actually kind of entwines through all of these fruits of the Spirit. Because you need self-control to sometimes accomplish these things, even though you're being led by the Spirit. And so let me give you the definition of self-control out of the Greek word. So the Greek word used for self-control in the original text actually means self-mastery or self-restraint. In other words, I'm dominated by the Spirit of God to such a great degree that I'm mastering self according to what the Spirit is saying in my life. Right? It's not like self-help, self-mastery from a productivity standpoint. It's the fact that I'm hearing God and I'm allowing his word to guide my life and to conform me into the image of Jesus to such a great degree that I obey the spirit and I control my flesh and I control my mind and I, and, and I master my life. And so that's a great place to aim. No matter what your age is, you can still work on mastery, being mastered by the Spirit. And so we'll see self-control kind of working through these fruits of the Spirit. And I want to focus in on a guy named Joseph in the Old Testament to look at what faithfulness looks like in his life and see how that can work in ours. So there was a guy in the Old Testament by the name of Joseph And, you know, when we think about God's faithfulness, we're going to see that in the life of Joseph. But we're also going to see Joseph's response to God's faithfulness, which is faithfulness to others. As a matter of fact, in our faithfulness to God, we reflect his unwavering faithfulness to others. It's a byproduct, it's a reflection of God working in us. And so I wanna see how that works in the life of Joseph because we're gonna have many opportunities as people to remain faithful, right? Remaining faithful. And so Joseph had many mile markers in his journey on this earth where his faithfulness was challenged to the greatest degree. And the first one was Faithfulness and opposition. Faithfulness and opposition. And we're going to come against opposition. And these things that Joseph encountered, we're going to encounter. Maybe not at the same degree. Come on, you know what I'm talking about. However, we're all going to face opposition. Some of you might be in opposition right now. But he remained faithful in opposition. You know, this guy Joseph, he had a dream early on of his future rise to power. And he began to share the dream that God gave him with his family members, and he immediately had opposition. Let's pick up the story in Genesis chapter 37. It says, now Joseph had a dream. And when he told it to his brothers, they hated him even more. How many of you like to tell somebody a dream and they just hate it? You know what I mean? They're like like vultures. You know what I'm talking about? Anyways. He said to them, hear this dream that I have dreamed. Behold, we were binding sheaves in the field, and behold, my sheaf arose and stood upright, and behold, your sheaves gathered around it and bowed down to my sheaf. Now, I mean, <laughs> that, 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 I, I might have been like the brothers, you know what I'm talking about, and say, hold up a second, I'll whip you. You know what I'm talking about? You know what I did to you in the backyard yesterday. (laughs) Don't you be coming down here with your dream. You know what I'm saying? So anyways, that's just me. And his brother said to him, are you indeed to reign over us? Are you indeed to do that? Are you indeed to reign over us? So they hated him even more for his dreams and for his words. They already hated him. They thought he had favoritism with his father. They already hated him. And then he dreamed another dream. And he told it to his brothers and said, Behold, I've dreamed another dream. Behold, the sun and the moon and the, and, and the 11, and 11 stars were bowing down to me. But when he told it to his father and to his brothers, his father rebuked him and said to him, What is this dream you have dreamed? Shall I and your mother and your brothers indeed come to bow your, ourselves to the ground before you? And his brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept the saying in mind. See, God was faithful to reveal his plans to Joseph. You know, when God reveals his plans to man, that's the faithfulness of God. That's a miracle, by the way, when God reveals his plan to man, you know what I'm saying? And and it's God's faithfulness working there. But Joseph was faithful to believe God's plans to such a degree that he began to share it with those closest to him, and he immediately faced opposition. As a matter of fact, this is what I have in my notes. We have to remain faithful to God's vision even when it seems impossible. A lot of times, the possibilities of God seem impossible to us, and we can be intimidated when God speaks to us to do something. Man, look, I'm telling you right now, we can shirk away, we can say, how could it ever be? I'm not sure, I'm not gonna share that with anyone. I don't know what the Lord's doing, but guess what? Joseph remained faithful in revealing his plans, and God will remain faithful in executing his plans. And that's the big deal. As a matter of fact, in Hebrews chapter 11, it says, faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not yet seen. And of course, we're talking about eternity as well, that we have an assurance of things hoped for, talking about the afterlife, because we we, we believe it by faith. And faith is that evidence of the things we can't see. But also, we have to live in faith here on earth. So we have faith for the afterlife, but we gotta have faith now. Right? Because if we don't have faith now, what's the point? You know what I'm talking about? And our faith is under attack. And and, and and our faith is an act of faithfulness to God. And this is where Joseph was. You know, every one of these mile markers in Joseph's life was an attempt to rob him of his faith. You know that the Bible says that the devil he seeks those he can devour, and he roars and he and he's looking to Rob your faith. If you can take your faith, then it's no good. But Joseph remained faithful in opposition, but guess what? He had another challenge in front of him. He remained faithful in betrayal, faithfulness in betrayal. Matter of fact, Joseph's brothers, they were fueled by jealousy because of his dream, and they sold him as a slave to a passing caravan. Now, that's betrayal if you've ever seen it. Your own brothers, your own blood. Sold you. Let's read the story here. And then Judah said to his brothers, what profit is it if we kill our brother and conceal his blood? They're plotting to kill him first. Come, let us sell him to the Ishmaelites and let not our hand be upon him for he is our brother, our own flesh. And his brothers listened to him. Then the Midianite traders passed by and they drew Joseph up and lifted him out of the pit they threw him in a pit, and sold him to the Ishmaelites for 20 shekels of silver. They took Joseph to Egypt. Now, that's the ultimate betrayal. I mean, you know what I mean? Your own family member, first they plotted to kill him, and then one of the brothers stood up and said, no, let's not kill the man. You know what I'm talking about? Let's just go ahead and sell him, do away with him. They made up a story to the father that brought, they brought his coat full of blood and said he died, in a, you know, fighting an animal, da-da-da-da-da. They set him up, they framed him, and they sold him, and they took him to Egypt. You know, God's faithfulness works in betrayal, and God's faithfulness was working in the midst of that betrayal to accomplish his sovereign will through Joseph's life. But how many know we can't see that happening in the midst of betrayal? You know, I was thinking about Joseph on the way up here through each one of these mile markers that we're going to explore and continue to explore in his life. And we don't see, the, the, the Bible doesn't disclose to us the inner turmoil and the lamentation that Joseph was, it was out of his own mouth. Who knows what his prayers look like? You know what I'm talking about. Who knows what he was saying when he was in that pit? Who knows what he was saying when he was bound up and sent as a slave to Egypt? Who knows what, has God left me? Has God forsaken me, right? Was the dream even real, Lord God? What is this, you know what I mean? Is there a God? Who knows? We don't see all that in the Bible, but I can imagine, because Joseph is a man like us, that his faith was being tried to the most greatest level he's ever had it tried before. And that happens to us in this lifetime. You know that? Our faith is tried. His was through betrayal right here, but it was also about his future. But Joseph had to maintain his trust. Sometimes maintaining your trust looks like, I don't know where you're at, God. I don't know if I'm even in the right place anymore. God, did you even call me to do this? God, what's going on? Maybe I missed God. Maybe God's not working on the earth like I thought he was working on the earth. Yeah, I believe that there's a creator, but I, I don't know. Maybe I got it all wrong, right? I think about John the Baptist, the greatest prophet that the world has ever seen. Jesus said there's no prophet before him nor a prophet after him that's greater than John. And when John was imprisoned, he said, look, maybe I missed it. He sent his followers to Jesus, and he said, look, go find out what's going on. And the the, the, the disciples of John came to Jesus, and and, and they said, look, John's like, hey, did I miss it? Are you the Messiah, right? The greatest prophet in inner turmoil in prison. And Jesus said, look, look, guys, look, go tell John the lepers are being cleansed. People are being healed, brought back to life. The gospel is being preached. The dead are being raised. You didn't miss it, John. And so with that in mind, we understand the attack on our mind and the same thing was going on in Joseph's mind, but we gotta learn from Joseph because God's faithfulness can guide us toward his greater purpose even in the darkest hours of betrayal. Think about that with me. Think about that statement. God's faithfulness can guide us toward his greater purpose even in the darkest of betrayals. And sometimes when you don't see the hand of God or what you perceive as the hand of God working, it's our responsibility to confess he's working. Right? The Bible says, lean not on your own understanding, but acknowledge him in all your ways, and he shall make your path straight. Right? Proverbs says, the steps of a righteous person are ordered by the Lord. And we have to believe and remain faithful that God is working, even when we don't know it. Right? We sing that song a lot of times. Even when we don't see him, he's working. I'm not a, Obviously, I shouldn't get on a worship team. But he's working. We got to trust God's sovereignty in times of betrayal. I don't know where you are right now. Some of you have been betrayed. We got to allow God to work through challenging circumstances for your spiritual growth. How do we say, consider it all joy, my brethren, when you face trials of many kinds, knowing that the testing of your faith produces perseverance, and perseverance must have its work in you so that you're complete. You can't short-circuit that. I know we want to. I think Joseph wanted to short-circuit the process of God's vision for his life, I'm sure he felt like he wasn't in the vision. Romans chapter 8 says this, And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purposes. That's what you have to remind yourself. Lord, I'm called according to your purposes. I might not know exactly the details of that, but God, you've called me out of darkness into light. I'm now in your kingdom, God, and so I'm going to stand even when my mind's going crazy, even when the circumstances around me don't look like they're, 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 they're you're in them, right? I'm going to trust you. But God wasn't through with Joseph's reformation, right? Because Joseph had to remain faithful in obscurity, faithfulness in obscurity, unknown, down, down, way down in Egypt. Family knew, thought he was dead except his brothers. They didn't know if he was dead. They, they did have a clue. He's disappeared. He's gone. He's, he's alienated from basically the, the, his father and all of the legacy of faith that his father came from because his great-great-grandpa was Abraham. God changed Abraham's name to Abram. He's known as the father of faith. This is the lineage of Joseph, and he's down in Egypt, man, in obscurity, a slave in Potiphar's house. But he had to, do, he had to, he had to work that out, and God was still with Joseph, because let's look at this, Genesis chapter 39. Now Joseph had been brought down to Egypt. And Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, the captain of the guard, an Egyptian, had brought him from the Ishmaelites, who had who had brought him down there. He bought him from him. He said, "I'll take that dude." The Lord was with Joseph, and he became successful. He became a successful man, and he was in the house of his Egyptian master. And his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord caused all that he did to succeed in his hands. So Joseph found favor in his sight and attended him and made him overseer of his house and put him in charge of all that he had. So here's Joseph down in Egypt and God, his faithfulness was a reminder. It was evident in Joseph's life in the midst of the circumstances because he was elevated in slavery to be in charge of all that this, this, his, his, uh, Potiphar had, I think it was God reminding Joseph, because there's, again, no telling the turmoil that was going on. I'm still with you. Even in the midst of obscurity, I'm still with you. Even when you're unknown and nobody sees you, I'm still with you. Even in the place that nobody knows you're in, I'm still with you. I'm still working in your life. I want you to continue to serve me, Joseph. I still have plans for you. They're not on display for people, but they're on display for me. Come on, somebody. They're in the secret place where nobody sees what's going on. That's where we serve the Lord, right? And that's where Joseph was at, obscurity. But Joseph's faithfulness to God demonstrates integrity and loyalty in his service to Potiphar His master, a a guy that don't know God, by the way, hates God, not part of the covenant that God made with Abraham, separated from this covenant, this dude, Potiphar. He still serves him with loyalty, and he still serves him with integrity because he was ultimately serving God. Watch this, even in the seasons of obscurity and insignificance, our faithfulness to God can lead to unexpected promotions. And let me clarify that quote right there. Because we don't, we, we don't serve Lord, the Lord in secret for the promotion. But God was with Joseph and he elevated him. I don't think Joseph was looking for a promotion. I think Joseph was desperate for God. And sometimes God. Promotion comes from the Lord. So what do I say? Serve God faithfully in all circumstances, regardless of recognition and regardless of status. Right? That's a trap, by the way. Do you know that's a human trap? Right? You ever heard the old saying, the rat race? Yeah? It's a trap. Some of you might be in that trap. <clears throat> Get out of it. Yeah, we strive to succeed on the planet and all that. No, 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 no. We're serving the Lord Christ. We have to trust God that he rewards faithfulness even in seemingly insignificant tasks, in obscurity. And we can find contentment in obscurity, come on, when we know we're serving the Lord. Colossians chapter three, verse 23. I love this scripture. Whatever you do, Work heartily as for the Lord and not men. Knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward, you're serving the Lord Christ. Man, that's an easy scripture to quote. It's a tougher scripture to live out, right? We're serving God in obscurity. Now, I don't know where you are in your life, where you're at on your job, right? Right? but you can feel this place of insignificance. And I think that God wants to use that for your growth. How else are you gonna grow? You're gonna grow through that, you're gonna, go through, you're gonna grow through pain, that's how you're gonna grow. So here's this guy Joseph, he's in the story, he's serving in Potiphar's house, and the Bible says that Joseph was a good looking guy, you know, kind of like me. No, just kidding. I'm, barely, I'm I'm. surprised that she even married me. You know what I mean? So, you know what I mean? Look at your neighbor and say, you know, you're like Joseph. You know? He was a good-looking guy, this Joseph guy was. But Potiphar had a real good-looking wife. Now, if you're married, say, you know, you're, 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 you look better than Potiphar's wife, I promise you, baby. Oh, these church jokes are corny, huh? Maybe you're you're more beautiful than Potiphar's wife, I'm sure. Potiphar had a real good-looking wife, I'm I'm positive, because the Bible talks about that. And this woman had had a spirit of seduction on her. So you got a good-looking woman who's seductive, and that's a tough battle. And here he is, you know what I mean, way away from his homeland, a slave in Potiphar's house, and she began to hit on him. She said, I want you, Joseph. And she began to hit on him, and she began to, the Bible says, cast her eyes on him. And uh, she began to tempt him to have sexual relations with her. And I'm sure Potiphar was out of the house all the time. It's Potiphar, man. You know what I'm talking about? They came and got him on a chariot. And Joseph's sitting there at the house, and there she is. And she's working on him. And here he is in obscurity. And here he has been sold as a slave. And here he is, and he's not sure if the promise is even real that he thought he had. And here's this woman. In the opportune time, temptation is the strongest. When you're tired, when you you feel like you've been battling for a long time, when that relationship feels strained, you know what I mean? When you're working in burnout. That enticement is stronger than ever before, and I'm sure it was strong for Joseph. We don't understand all that, but we see his faithfulness in temptation. Genesis chapter 39, let's look at him. Let's see what he's doing here. And after a time, his master's wife cast her eyes on Joseph and said, lie with me, but he refused and said to his master, Behold, because of me, my master has no concern about anything in the house. He's put a, he has put everything that he has in my charge. He is not greater in this house than I am, nor has he kept back anything from me except you, because you are his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin, here it is, and sin against God? Even though he was Potiphar's wife, he didn't say sin against Potiphar. He said, sin against God. And as she spoke to Joseph, day after day, he would not listen to her to lie beside her or to be with her. Day after day, temptation was like a drip campaign. Over and over and over and over and over again, wearing you out. And that's what temptation will do to you. Wear you out and constantly entice you until you give in. It's like a dog that's hungry on a chain. It just keeps barking. It was wearing him out day after day. But Joseph, in his faithfulness to God, and by God's faithfulness to him, only in his strength, God's strength, was he ever overcome this temptation? He refused to lie with this woman, and if the, I'm not going to go into the whole story, but she framed him because he wouldn't lie with her, she framed him and essentially said, he raped me. Mm. If it doesn't get any worse, I'm not gonna sin against God, and because I'm not gonna sin against God, I'm now framed with rape. And he was ran out of Potiphar's house and thrown back in prison. In the face of temptation, Faithfulness to God brings greater rewards than momentary pleasure. Mm. We gotta seek God's strength and stay faithful in, in, in the face of temptation, and we have to rely on his faithfulness to provide a way when we're faced with that. First Corinthians says this, no temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man because God is faithful and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. One, one theologian another translation says, endure temptation as a good soldier in Christ. Endure. What does faithfulness look like in your life? Endurance. What does it look like in my life? Endurance. Even when I feel weak, even when I'm at the brink of of falling into the temptation, endure, right? Because there's a reward for endurance. Joseph, man, I don't think he was really, I think about it this time, and again, I'm paraphrasing, right? It's the gospel of Casey here. I I think about it this time. He's like, dear God, I wish you would have never given me this vision. You picked the wrong guy. This is unbelievable. I don't even think it's God. I don't know. I wish you would have never chosen me. Mm. There ain't no telling. We don't know. But he remained faithful. I know he was a man, though, because he had to remain faithful in adversity, faithfulness in adversity. And I know I'm I'm going here, but it's a lot. But somebody in here is getting some help. Joseph was unjustly imprisoned, again, essentially, he had to remain faithful. Let's let's pick the story back up, this guy. Verse 20, chapter 39, and Joseph's master took him and put him into the prison, Potiphar. He had to listen to his wife, you know, they framed him. The place where the king's prisoners were confined, that's where Joseph was, and he was there in prison. But the Lord, here it is, but the Lord was with Joseph and showed him steadfast love and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper in prison. You know, when we're imprisoned in our mind and our circumstances, we have to remember the Lord is right there with you. And the keeper of the prison put Joseph in charge of all the prisoners who were in prison. This dude, man, come on. Whatever was done there, whatever was done in jail essentially, had to run through Joseph's hand. He was the one who did it. The keeper of the prison paid no attention to anything that was in Joseph's charge because the Lord was with him. And whatever he did, the Lord made it succeed. He was found faithful. The Bible says, who can find a faithful man? Who can find a faithful woman? There was faithfulness found in the life of Joseph. Not easy faithfulness, by the way. Painstaking faithfulness. (laughs) God's faithfulness was with Joseph even in the darkest circumstances. He orchestrated events for Joseph's ultimate deliverance, but Joseph had to maintain his faith and his integrity and continue to use his God-given gifts in the midst of adversity. You might have adversity at your job. How's that going? You might have adversity at your job. Do you stop using your gifts? No, because you're working for the Lord, not for man. Man. Got to keep using those gifts. In the times of adversity, our unwavering faithfulness to God can lead to His divine intervention. In times of adversity, our unwavering faithfulness to God can lead to His divine intervention. Second Corinthians chapter 4, verse 8 says this, We are afflicted in every way but not crushed, perplexed but not driven to despair, Persecuted but not forsaken. Struck down but not destroyed. Come on, man. Struck down but not destroyed. Faithfulness. Last last point of faithfulness right here. I know. It's getting that time. Joseph's story continues. And he had some dreams. When I'm going to paraphrase for you, kind of bring him to speed. He's down here in prison again, you know what I mean? And uh, he was with a guy down there, and people were having dreams, and he was an interpreter of dreams. It was a gift that God had gave him. And he began to interpret some dreams, and essentially he ended up not at Potiphar's house again, but at Pharaoh's place, the chief, <laughs> Pharaoh. And he interpreted some of Pharaoh's dreams and Basically, Pharaoh said, I mean, Pharaoh had all his wise guys, you know what I mean, all the, the magicians and seers and, you know, all those people, they couldn't, they couldn't solve the dream, but God gave Joseph the interpretation, and Joseph t- told Pharaoh the interpretation because some guy remembered him in jail, and they ended, he got forgotten jail, but eventually he got remembered, so he had to stay down there a little extra longer. I think God had to work a few more things out, get a few more bugs out, golly, dear Lord. (laughs) Eventually, they got him out of jail, put him up there in front of Pharaoh. He interpreted the dream. And Pharaoh said, you're the man, (laughs) essentially, and put a chain around his neck and a ring on his finger and said, you're in charge now. And so he became in charge of all of Egypt because he prophesied there's going to be a famine in the land, And a famine was coming, and everybody's going to starve out. And he told Pharaoh how to make some money from it, basically. He said, we need to start collecting grain now. And when they come for food, because they ain't going to have none, because the Lord said he's going to strike the land with famine, we'll give them some grain, and we'll take their land, and we'll take their people, and we'll do this, and we'll do that. And God providentially had a plan for his people from the lineage of Abraham all the way down to where Joseph was and his family there to, res- to deliver them out of the famine and use Joseph. And these guys heard that there was some food in Egypt because his brothers and his father, they lost all their, they were running out of food like everybody else. How do you know that rain falls on the just and the unjust? That's right. Just because you following Jesus don't mean you ain't going to suffer. And his dad said, hey, you know what, guys, why don't you go take some of this gold, head on over to Egypt. There's some grain, pick us up some grain. They're starving. So they sent the brothers to get the grain. And and one brother went before him, but I'm just paraphrasing real quick. And those brothers, the guys who threw him in the pit, all of a sudden came to get some grain. And guess who they had to stand in front of? Joseph. And Joseph saw his brothers and the Bible says that he wept. He, he, was, he saw his brothers. He recognized them. They didn't recognize him. He had all the Egyptian garb on, you know what I'm talking about? I don't know what that looked like, but they didn't know who he was. It's been many years. He went in the back room and he wept. And I think at that moment when he wept, the Bible says that he wept, I think he saw the fulfillment of that dream come to pass in that very moment. He couldn't contain it. He could have forgotten about it. I don't know but when his brothers came there bowing before him, asking for grain, it was like in an instant he saw it and he had to remain faithful in reconciliation. At that moment, he had to choice to make. He had to remain faithful, faithfulness and reconciliation. Right there, he could have had them executed. Come on. He could have done anything he wanted to them. Let's pick the story up. Chapter 45, verse 4, so Joseph said to his brothers, come near to me, please. And they came near, and he said, I am your brother, Joseph, whom you sold in Egypt. And now do not be distressed or angry with yourself because you sold me here. For God sent me here for you to preserve life, before you to preserve life. He got the full revelation that it wasn't about him anyway. It was about God's plan, not him. For the famine has been in the land these two years, and there are yet five years that are left, basically five years in which there will be neither plowing nor harvest. He had the interpretation. And God sent me before you to preserve for you a remnant on earth a remnant of God's people because he told Abraham, his great-great-grandfather, he made a covenant with him. Remember in the beginning I said God is faithful to keep his promises and his covenant with his people. And years before Joseph was even born, he made a covenant with Abram. He changed his name to Abraham and said, you're going to be the father of many nations. And that covenant that he made with Abram years and years ago was still being fulfilled through Joseph. It wasn't about Joseph. It was about the fulfillment of God's covenant and his promises to keep a remnant on earth. Mm. Verse 7, and God sent me before you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and keep alive for you many survivors. So it was not you who sent me here. He's speaking to his brothers. It wasn't you who sent me on this journey, but God. Whew. He has made me a father to Pharaoh and Lord of all his house and ruler of the land of Egypt. Remaining faithful to reconciliation instead of revenge will glorify God because his plan is being fulfilled. The story goes on. He said, go back, get, get my father, bring all your stuff here. Matter of fact, Pharaoh got word that that was Joseph's brothers, and he said, hey, look, Joseph, give them some land. Take care of them. And how many you know it wasn't Pharaoh's hand in all of it? It was God's. That's why it's so important to remain faithful. You know, even when we're unfaithful, God remains faithful. Listen to this. And I'm going to pass over this last scripture and I'm going to give you the results of unfaithfulness real quick. And then we're going to close up. Let's imagine with me for a moment if Joseph was unfaithful, there would have been unfulfilled dreams. He would have missed the opportunity to fulfill his purpose in God's plan. God would have done something else because his plan was gonna prevail. He would have missed his opportunity. Unfulfilled dreams. Number two, broken relationships. Joseph's relationships with his brothers would have been irreparably damaged. He would have bitterness, resentment, and brokenness for life would have plagued his family. Compromised character. His character and integrity would have been compromised. It would have hindered his growth and preparation for the future leadership role that God was calling him to. There would have been moral compromise. Joseph's moral purity would have been compromised. And it could have resulted in losing his position and derailing God's plan for his life. Missed opportunities. Joseph could have succumbed to bitterness and hopelessness and self-pity. And he would have missed out on the opportunities for growth and favor and restoration. And then last but not least, the result of his unfaithfulness would have been continued brokenness. His family would have remained broken. There would have been no restoration and no forgiveness. Just close your eyes with me just for a moment. You know, ultimately in this story, we're sometimes we're like the brothers. We're unfaithful. And we can say just for today that Joseph is like a type and shadow of Christ. He remains faithful. And just like the brothers, we come to a place in our life where we're famined and where we're without God. Maybe you've made mistakes. And maybe you don't measure up in all these different areas of faithfulness that I talked about today. But I'm here to encourage you that we have an advocate with the Father. His name is Jesus. And he will restore you. And he will give you bread to eat, if you would, for your soul. And he will remove shame. And he will remove guilt. And he will erase the sins of the past. And you can live for him today because we have a great high priest. And his name is Jesus Jesus. And just as Joseph stood in the gap for the land and the famine and the promise, Jesus, he's the eternal covenant and God's made covenant with us through Christ Jesus and he will restore the famine that sin has brought in your your land. As a matter of fact, 2 Timothy says, if we are faithless, he remains faithful, talking about Jesus, for he cannot deny himself. Father, we submit to you right now, God. We submit to your presence. We submit to your power. Lord, I know you know where every single individual is in this room, God, and I know that you diversify your word and you speak uniquely to each person in this house today. Lord, I'm praying by the Holy Spirit that you would encourage us. And right now, Lord, we yield to your Spirit that we might bear fruit in season and out of season, that we might remain faithful. Some of you might be saying, man, I messed up yesterday. You know, the, 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 this message is hot on my, on my dashboard. We just say, Lord, we missed the mark yesterday, but God, I'm gonna be faithful today. I submit again, I surrender again. Here I am, Lord, use me in Jesus' name. For some of you, you're not right with God and the Lord is drawing you. He's. He's got his hand upon your life and he wants to reconcile you out of darkness and into his light. And if that's you and you know you're not right with God, I'm gonna pray a prayer right now with you. And you're gonna get right with God. Just say, Lord, forgive me. I surrender my life to you, Lord. Deliver me out of darkness. Thank you for dying on the cross for me my life is yours. Holy Spirit, lead and guide me into all truth and faithfulness. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Let's give it up for Jesus, everybody. Yeah.